Hello everyone and welcome to the ROH Review Interviews. I'm your host Oliver Newman but I am delighted to be joined by the manager of champions, uh, <laughs> ROH World Tag Team Champions, the American Wolves and the Kings of Wrestling, uh, Adam Pierce as the NWA Heavyweight Champion and Eddie Edwards as the TV Champion and the second ever and longest reigning ROH top of the class trophy winner, Shane Hagedorn. How are you doing today, Shane? I'm wonderful. Bright and early over here uh, in, <laughs> in, in, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Doing yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Very good. Uh, it's definitely bright and early for Shane because when I checked the time difference, I was like 1 p.m. equals 9 a.m. In the, in the USA. And then I Googled it and it was 8 a.m. And I was like, oh, Shane, um, my time difference is a little bit off. Can you do this a little bit earlier? And I was all set up ready to go at 8 a.m. And Shane's like, oh, wow, this guy is actually, you know, come early as opposed to being late, which is yes. obviously a, uh, a terrible thing to do in wrestling. So, yep, you can always count on me to be early. I was up and ready anyway to drop my son off at school. So you was. Um, so yeah, we, we've got a time frame and stuff, actually. I was going to stick to my time frame, so I will time Shane. <laughs> Just oh. sounds good. Yeah, one second. I'm being All run right. by my father, that's always good. He just doesn't know when things are happening. <laughs> <laughs> one second, oh, okay. Good. We we got an hour to play with, and yeah, after the introduction, we kind of go from there. Um, yeah, so let's go all the way back to the beginning. And, and like I said to you off there, uh, Shane, was going to do a straight up Q&A, but I don't think that's as interesting as it could be. So I'm just going to talk about topics and allow you to talk because that's what people want to hear. They don't want to hear me. me. <laughs> oh, okay, so um, watching ROH as a fan uh, yeah. from 2002 until you joined the training school, uh you know what what brought you to our witch as a as a show as a fan um yeah we'll just go with that one straight away so i want to i can't i'm trying i don't remember exactly when i discovered it uh i'm 40 years old so i was there for you know the, the death of wcw and the death of ecw and uh there was a little bit of like an independent wrestling scene in michigan where i'm originally from Mm -hmm. and would, you know, see, you go to shows here and there, and uh, it was just, I guess, you know, Ring of Honor kind of stepped up, I suppose, to to fill the, the one of the companies that stepped, I should, uh, stepped up, I should say, to fill that void. Mm -hmm. uh, I started reading about it um, through different reviews, um, different websites, uh, Ransylvania, the Smarks, uh, 411, <laughs> uh, uh, what was the dude's name? Black Tiger, Rolling Germans, uh, were like the reviews and whatnot. And I, um, I did a lot of tape trading. And so I just started tape trading for the, the, uh, the, the VHSs and kind of, I think, let me say probably like the first like six or so shows and then they ring of honor came um about two two and a half hours away from where i lived and to dayton ohio for the wrath of the racket show that was in okay. August of 2003 yeah 
And for me, the draw was Ring of Honor. And mm-hmm. there was a few uh, people on there, obviously, that I knew. Um, like, I had seen outside of watching Ring of Honor tapes. I had seen CM Punk a few times live yep. on indie shows, Cabana, mm-hmm. Jimmy mm-hmm. Jacobs. Uh, and so I convinced a friend to go with me uh, based on the fact that he was a <laughs> Jim Cornette. And okay. it's just funny to me coincidence considering how my entire Ring of Honor career would go. Uh, so I got a friend to come down with me um, based on the fact that Jim Cornette was on the show. And we drove down. I think I harassed the office uh, that I would eventually end up working in like four <laughs> or five times a week, uh, making sure I was going to be able to get tickets and they weren't going to sell out and I had to get tickets. Little me being under the impression that Ring of Honor was a much bigger entity than it actually was in terms of uh, office and scope. Um, yeah. And so I, I, we drove down, and on all of the seats and at the merch table, there were flyers for the wrestling school opening uh, soon. Yeah. Just very vague <laughs> wrestling school opening soon under under CM Punk. And I just, that day, decided that when the school opens, I'm going to go. At that time, I was working as a videographer for my local news station, doing a lot of sports, heavy stuff. Um, I graduated college and finished college as a a promise to my mom. Because in 1998, I wanted to drop out and go to the Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy uh, in Texas. So I think it would have ended up putting me in the same class as, like, Brian Danielson, I think I would have ended up in, like, the same wrestling class as him if I would have done it then. Yeah. But I agreed to get my degree. So, you know, fast forward to 2003, get that flyer. They make the announcement in October when they were going to do tryouts. So I drove out to, uh, to Langhorne, Pennsylvania for the tryout. There were like eight or ten people there um, doing the tryout. First person I met was the man who would eventually be my roommate and is still one of my best friends to this day, the Evan Starsmore. And okay. did a, a grueling, grueling tryout. <laughs> and then with a couple weeks, with maybe a week or two later, um, got the notification of when the school was officially going to start. I believe it was supposed to be November 3rd. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, all right, gave my like week and a half notice at my job. And on November 1st, I, me and my dad packed up all my stuff and headed off to PA without a place to live. <laughs> oh, uh, you've actually gone into like the next series of questions or topics. So yeah. um, just, just going back to your fandom for a second, obviously that's the show you went to. But was there an ROH match or moment that you watched as a fan that said, I need to be in that ring as an ROH wrestler? Um, man. It just watching that first show mm-hmm. uh, is equal parts brutally painful <laughs> and mind-blowingly awesome. Uh, because that first, like, that first segment that feels as if it will never end with going out <laughs> the bus trip and the, uh, the the bad you know oh i, I love the filters stuff to be it's, fair. it's so brutal with the hit squad 
yeah, it's I, rough. I like that. It it's good. it's like one of those like it's it's fun to see yeah but that just keeps going and going and going and it's so much but then you get into that first we'll go with, the, with how how it's they love to bill it and how it's presented on the honor club mm. uh, since they chose to edit out certain things involving the Christopher Street connection on most of the old stuff that's on the honor club mm-hmm. uh, that Jay Briscoe an amazing red match. Um, just it, it was the equivalent to the first ECW I saw, which was Living Dangerously '99, okay. and like just seeing it for the first time, and it was just like this exists. Because mm-hmm. it, 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 it took that, like the the super crazy Tajiri and RBD Jerry yeah. Lynn that I saw on that show, and this was the next level of that, mm-hmm. and then. The, the, the main event of that match with the three way with Chris Daniels, Low Key, and American Dragon. And yep. just, and then it just kept going. And then the Round Robin Challenge and the, the, all of the matches involved in the Round Robin Challenge. Mm-hmm. And then getting to the four way for the world title or for the just the title at that point. Yeah. You yeah. Know, uh, <clears throat> a crowning champion. And it just, it, it was almost, it was as if through. There was always stuff on the shows that mm-hmm. was not to my liking, but there were enough things on there that it was just like I would just watch the tapes over and over again. Yeah, and so I don't think it was one specific match, but it was just the the, the product as a whole and the type of wrestling it presented. Um, it, it, the RVD Jerry Lynn super crazy to Jerry, but also going back to the things that kept me watching WCW. You know, I went to WCW because my friend said, oh my God, Diesel and Diesel and Razor Ramon are on are on this other wrestling show that I didn't know existed. Yeah. But what kept me watching were the, the Guerreros, the Cruiserweights, yeah. Guerrero, Malenko, Jericho, Benoit, mm-hmm. um, and even the character of Raven like held my interest and that's actually what led me to watching an ECW in the first place. And it was all kind of that same vibe of this is the wrestling I, that I enjoy the most. Yeah. And that's just, that's what sucked me into ring of honor was that, um, that, that presentation of that style of wrestling more than anything. Okay. So you said about the tryout being brutal at the (laughs) ROH wrestlers goal. There's gotta be a story there. Well, so there were one, two, the the four of us that lived together, two other people that were actually made it, and then there were I want to say somewhere between two to four additional people who never actually made the cut for whatever reason. Um, But it was like I literally quit smoking after ten years that week. (laughs) And I had been doing, you know, my fair share of like, of preparing of what I thought it might be. And I had no clue. Yeah. But get there and it's, all right, go run. <laughs> just go run. There's no no time. Just go run. Running for like a half an hour. And it's like, all right, everybody stand in a circle and we're going to do 300 squats. <laughs> okay, and then it was, you know, 100 push-ups, 100 sit-ups and... All right, we're done, and we're all 
like dead and it just <laughs> at the, the the getting back to my hotel afterwards and crawling up the stairs because my <laughs> I was at a red roof in around the corner from where the tryouts were and my room was on the second floor and I was on my hands and knees <laughs> crawling up the stairs because I like, could not lift my legs enough after doing all of it to wow. uh to to actually walk like a normal person <laughs> it was brutal it was rough and uh but at the same time as we were standing there because um th at that point the the ring of honor school was inside a giant warehouse and with plenty of like space to run indoors or do sprints and mm -hmm. high ceiling uh yep and just sitting there doing these things and the ring is right there so i'm just like staring at the ring <laughs> it, it, this is and this would continue on for months until we actually got in the ring uh properly yeah um, i just it was became this like object of of desire i suppose uh just that that was the end game that was the goal just mm -hmm. to do enough of this torture to get in there <laughs> To do yeah. what I really want to be doing, because mm -hmm. at that point, it's I hated the exercise. I hated the working out part <laughs> of it, but I loved being in the ring so much. Yeah, and I might downfall in a lot of ways, but in certain aspects. But I, I just, I it, it was once we got in there that that was the goal. Just I'd suffer through all these squats, push-ups, sit-ups, sprints, <laughs> um, you know, all of that, so we can get in the ring. Fair enough um so yeah you, you mentioned earlier um cm punk was the trainer at the crh wrestling school uh you know what what was cm punk like as a person uh back then and as a trainer uh i remember him telling us he would not be a drill sergeant <laughs> about, about it and he wasn't he was for, with with my class he was very hands-on there were ultimately six of us Four of us lived together, and then two who lived elsewhere just that drove in, mm -hmm. uh, which kind of also made for that, you know, motivating each other because the four of us lived together. We literally did like absolutely everything together. We ate together. <laughs> we went to all the, sh you know, did, did the shows together, mm -hmm. traveling. Um, but as a trainer, it was, it was, he was very, um, he was involved and, and you know you hear a lot of stories of trainers not being so involved or mm -hmm. having like a second to do the the work for them and he would do you know drills with us mm -hmm. um, sometimes the warms up warm ups with us uh it was a rough it ended up being a little bit of a, a rough start because at the same time he was hurt in fact our our initial was supposed to start november 3rd and his knee was banged up and we ended up getting pushed back till right after, right before Thanksgiving. Um, okay. Of 2003. Mm -hmm. And then he was also doing the NWATNA impact, impact, just NWATNA, the yeah. weekly pay-per-view tapings. And mm -hmm. so that scheduling was fun. And there were times where it felt like we were there like one day a week. Um, but it was, I never felt like I was like, lacking anything mm -hmm. you know it just uh it was it was a lot of conditioning 
Yeah. And that was that was the big thing was making he always looked at us as you as my students as my kids are representing exactly. me once you yeah. get in the ring. So I want to make sure that you look competent when you finally get in that ring. Mm-hmm. And when you finally start going out and doing shows cuz I mean it was 11 months mm-hmm. almost, 11 almost almost 11 months of of training before we had our first matches. Yeah. And I mean, we did a lot in that time frame. Um, so, you know, going to the the shows um, to help out with the crew, the ring crew, and learn that whole aspect of it. Yeah. Um, some Samoa Joe. Our first time actually in the ring was uh, it was like shoot wrestling with Samoa Joe and Punk. <laughs> uh, it wasn't even uh, like pro wrestling training. It was. Get in the ring. We're gonna roll around with Joe. <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Uh, and then doing like um, uh, Les Thatcher and Ricky Steamboat seminar mm-hmm. through a Jersey Jersey Championship Wrestling was I think is where that was ended up being held and just getting the feel for like the locker room and just it's it was a uh, it was a lot it was a lot going on and then I ended up in. February of 2004, ended up getting a job actually working in the office. Okay. So then I got this whole other level of of experience from it as well. Yeah. And this when my my background as a videographer paid off because they needed somebody to, you know, be a a videographer for like the random indie shows that they were saying selling tape. Excuse me, selling the tapes for at the time, like the yeah. old ECWA shows or Jersey All Pro shows or Zero One USA shows. Mm-hmm. So I would go and um, record those as well. Very good. You, you're actually reading the notes off my paper, I think, because that's a question <laughs> that's come later in the um, so yeah, you, you touched on it there. Uh, you debuted at the Midnight Express reunion afternoon show. Uh, what were your thoughts and feelings before, during, and after this match? Oh, man, it was anxious and excited, and then it, then calm, mm-hmm. I guess, because through the training, it was... I knew that we knew what we were doing. You okay. Know, as far as like your most basics, you know, doing a headlock takeover and your you know, essential, the, the essentials. I knew we had a solid foundation of all that stuff, but mm-hmm. it, it still remember like the prep work of uh, the going to the, the tanner and we're putting on self tanner and getting our first <laughs> gear. And we were, um, no punk had for both my class and the subsequent class because he only had the two. Um, we kind of went the the Japanese young boy route of everybody wearing just all black and earning your 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 earning your uh, your colors more or less. Um, okay. So I had the all just the straight black singlet and uh, just being very happy and excited to be there and uh, it's just, and simultaneously <laughs> knowing okay I also have to. Um, Filmed the show because uh, in going back a little bit in June of 04 when there was the big official split between Ring of Honor and um, the video company that I that we that was the original owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, I then became the 
second floor cameraman um, with World Title Classic. Oh, okay. So with June, I had now was working at the merch table. I was like setting up, training, setting up the shows, working the merch table, filming the shows, and wow. now I can add wrestling on the shows to, uh, <laughs> to this as well uh, from time to time because we didn't start consistently doing pre-shows uh, or dark matches until the next year um, mm. when the second class graduated. And they and, say uh, men can't multitask there, Shane. I know, I know. And that's, <laughs> that's all that. I feel like that's all I've ever done since I started wrestling. Um, but like that that day of, I don't know. It was it, it's like a, it's kind of a blur. It's nice because the National Guard Armory in Philly is like ten minutes from my house, mm -hmm. so it was a nice easy drive. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the biggest concern I had that day was I don't have a name. As a spoiler alert, uh, Shane Hagener is not my uh, <laughs> my legitimate birth name. Um, but I didn't have a name, and I had two things in my head of which one I was going to choose: Shane Hagedorn or Nathan Summers. I think and, you chose correctly. Yeah, well, <laughs> ironic. The irony, co happy coincidence. My my son's name is Nathan. Uh, oh, okay. And I did, the way I chose, <laughs> the way I made my final decision was I asked uh, Cheech. Cheech and Cloudy, Cheats of Special K. Um, I don't have a name. What are, these are my choices. What do you, what do you, what do you think? And I tell him. He says Nathan. I'm like, all right, going the other way then. Uh, <laughs> the other fun coincidence is when I used to do E-Fed e wrestling on my computer years, years prior. Shane Hagdorn was also my E-Fed wrestler name. So if you ever, if anybody listening ever worked in an E-Fed with a Shane Hagdorn, it was me. Oh. Uh... Yeah. So, like, going on, on that kind of route, did you ever play, like, Extreme Warfare Revenge and stuff? Oh, hell yes. <laughs> that game was great. I yeah. loved it. I, oh, I, still... I, I wish, I, I know, because you have a video, I so wish there was a mobile version of that. Yeah. Because it was so be much reduced. fun. Yeah. It was, it was tons of fun. It was just, it was, it was yeah, it was, I, that was, like, my favorite part of the, any of the, like, WWE games were all versus SmackDowns or anything that had like a cool GM mode that you could yeah. do. Yeah, that was more fun than than like just playing matches. <laughs> in those games it was fun creating your territory. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the last time I took on Extreme Warfare Revenge, I uh, demoted John Cena to NXT, <laughs> and then gone, well, I don't know if I demoted him because like they're all three brands, yeah. aren't they? They're all on the same level. Yeah, and then you realize, I don't really have the time to play this anymore. It's very, yeah. very long, but uh, it was it was really cool. Like a year, a year ago, I found like updates that were modern, and I downloaded <laughs> them to my computer, and, I'm like, and I think I played it like once that day, and it's probably yeah. still sitting on my hard drive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's a time for when you just have a lot of time. Mm -hmm. and, and when you grow up, you, you kind of don't. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh, I can play Fire Pro for 10 minutes today. Sweet. <laughs> definitely for all those teenagers that uh, get Extreme Warfare Revenge. Yes. Okay, so, um, yeah, moving forward from there, that was your afternoon show debut. You had yep. uh, a main show debut on the weekend of Thunder Night 1. Uh, oh, yeah. yes. Me and Davey Andrews against the Outcast Killers. The thing I remember the most from that is meeting Liger. 
That's the thing yeah. I was going to ask you about Liger, and it's it's crazy to think that I had met Muda like a year prior to that, and that dude was a chain smoker. Just remember <laughs> Muda sitting on the bleachers, just puffing away in the middle of the National Guard armory without a care in the world. Uh, and then yeah, meeting Liger for the first time and not realizing that's who I was sitting here standing next to because he was completely, you know, out of out of uh, out of costume. Yeah, and and then like actually because he was he was. When I first got uh, my 700th generation copies of the you know J crowns and the 93 and 94 J cups, and mm. um, it was just he was one of the ones that captured me, you know, captured yeah. my attention, uh, like him and and then when I got to the dynamite kid tiger mask stuff, but like yeah. him and I have a, I still into this day I still have a giant man crush on Shinjiro Otani like <laughs> one of my favorites uh, of that era and like Super Delphin and um, just and so getting to see getting to be on the same show as Liger was really cool yeah and that's the best that's, theme music in pro wrestling oh yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Filed second <laughs> uh, big number two to Minoru Suzuki's theme as well okay. But, Having that experiencing that one live is super cool. When you get the whole crowd singing along, and you need a whole bunch of Americans singing along to it, songs yeah. all in Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that that's like the standout thing. Like of that, it's like the match. I kind of I like. I remember doing it, and um, and half thinking we don't belong on a main show, but cool. <laughs> And then the fun part was in any of my any of my matches that were like on a main show or even dark matches uh, up to this up to a point, uh, I'm never the one who takes the finish because I have to go back out there to film the rest of the show. <laughs> and then in the early matches, if uh, if they uh, they're always saying like uh, Davey gets one bit of offense and takes the finish, <laughs> so I get like. So I was like, I get no offense, but I don't have to take the finish either because I have to go film. They got to protect you, Shane. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're in the big title run. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, once again, you're reading off my notes. So uh, yeah, um, watch. Well, I'll, I'll go back to this for a second. So what was yeah. the difference between debuting on the afternoon show and the main show in terms of like your nerves and things that nature? Oh, there are definitely far more nerves about being on like the main show yeah. i think the there and, and there was like this weird calm that i had that first match mm-hmm. and i think i think back on it the times that i had like crazy nerves weren't a lot okay. and it wasn't you know i've heard people if you don't have those butterflies you should quit but it was that wasn't it for me it was just i don't know like a calm confidence in some mm-hmm. ways then there was another part of me that had no confidence whatsoever, <laughs> but I guess it depended on the position I was in. Uh, it just, but being at the having a main show one was definitely far more nerve wracking yeah. the first time. Um, and then when even, even when we had like three minutes, yeah, like uh, um, screw up in three minutes. When when you talk about like the training and stuff, the excitement you had to be in the ring. So I could imagine in terms terms of your calmness and stuff. You just wanted to be in the ring, yeah. so the nerves would be there, but it'd be like, oh, I'm going to be in an ROH ring. So I can understand from what you've said so far that you would yeah. be already kind of thing. Well, and I look, I look back on it now, you know, 
15, 16 years later, and <laughs> I can see, I mean, realistically, we were nothing more than walking advertisements for, you know, come to the school, because look, you can, you can be on a Ring of Honor DVD yeah. in a live event um, for th three minutes getting squashed, but it was still, <laughs> it's that exposure and like, yeah. you know, putting a name out there and also for them and the source of advertisement mm -hmm. um, for the, for the school. And, but man, we didn't, we didn't belong on main shows. <laughs> no. didn't have any, that's how I like, we didn't have the experience level or the, you know, we were these very, very green kids uh, wrestling on the same show as, you know, as Brian Danielson and Jushin Liger and Samoa Joe and Low Key and Homicide and, what the heck are we doing here? <laughs> we do not belong on this. We be at, be on a dark matches or something best, you know. Uh, it, but man, that first the, the first month, I think I, I sat down and figured it out one day. Just not right. Yeah, but I think in my first month, I had like eight matches in the first like month. Wow. <laughs> Because I went from my first, that first match, and then the next week I worked on an indie, uh, some farmer's market in P in Pennsylvania, and then we went to IWA Mid-South and did four shows in a row, and came back and did another uh, Ring of Honor show, which the, mm -hmm. the weekend of Thunder shows, and then the next weekend was another show with that farmer's market. So it was like in that first month, like a really heavy dose of, 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 different levels of wrestling mm -hmm. as well as my first experiences of <laughs> being promised money that does not show up <laughs> i know i promised you 40 dollars a night for four days but here's 40 dollars for all four days oh jeez yeah. yeah uh so yeah from your reading my notes i'm not sure how you can do it from there but you, you you've managed it um you said about like wrestling dark matches uh yeah, kind of talk us through like the the dark match, uh, um, you know, from a wrestler's perspective. So, the dark matches didn't really start until July of two thousand five, um, mm -hmm. when the second class, and that would have been Pelly Primo, uh, Bobby Dempsey, Derek Dempsey, Smash Bradley. Um, yeah, their class, because uh, when we did. It was the day of the homecoming, and we did another kind of afternoon, like dark, you know, yeah. for for those guys to have their first matches, and mm -hmm. uh, that was kind of the start of having consistent, almost every single show, some sort of dark match. And I remember myself and uh, Davy Andrews. Whenever I say mm -hmm. Davy, people, I have to remember, I have to clarify, yeah, so Davy yeah. Andrews and Davy Richards, because. <laughs> Uh, Davey Andrews, who was uh, one of my fellow graduates with my class that um, yeah. quit wrestling at, at Final Battle 2005, um, we kind of like put together to try and give a format or a structure. And this is just me and him, like, you know, just figuring this out on one of our many drives and mm -hmm. putting together like a structure or a format um, to the dark matches so they had a purpose. Yeah. Uh, because we knew we were getting this top of the class trope. Like, I know Gabe had brought it up to us, mm -hmm. and he had this kind of, like, loose format of how he was going to do it. And so he kind of structured out these dark matches and to, to, to make sense of – to give the matches a purpose so they weren't just 
just random matches. Like, okay, well, all right, cool. You win three matches, then you get a shot at the trophy. And, yeah. Or you pin the pin the guy who's the trophy holder in the tag match, and you get a shot at the trophy. Mm-hmm. And the very the, the second weekend of dark matches, that all went right out the window. <laughs> the, the weekend of, uh, of Redemption and Punk, the final chapter. When Gabe took, took Pelly out of uh, the dark match we had booked and put him on the show to just get like elbow punched by Chad Collier or something. Took him <laughs> out of a match for a spot that was like two seconds. Um, oh, realized, right. ah, we'll do what we can. We'll try our best. <laughs> so, and so yeah, they, they started as uh, just a way for those of us from the school to get some experience and then mm-hmm. kind of became also a way to get a look at locals yep. or outside talents. Uh, but then, yeah, then it, it also turned into this, um, I'm trying to think about a phrase, like a point of contention, I suppose, where if you were on the dark matches, but you were one of the students from the school, mm-hmm. don't do anything. Keep it simple. But if you were someone from the outside on one of these dark matches, it was much more, um, let's see what you can do. Yeah, uh, do your thing, and I mean, there were times where that would upset other members of the locker room um, when people did, were doing too much for a dark match. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, 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 there was always this weird, uh, like, line of you know, a, a student, which is a label that got pretty much stuck on you the whole time. You know, uh, can only do so much in a dark match, but an outside person can do pretty much anything and not get in too much trouble <laughs> so it was this weird it was yeah it was uh just this thing that slowly developed over time and um and then also as 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 ring of honor started to expand more and more like the responsibilities of you know said graduates of the school and students who were there became bigger and bigger as well mm-hmm. um, and we went from being able to get out of a building and be at a Denny's by 1230 to it's now three in the morning because we're now, you know, full lighting kit and yeah, all that stuff. And then you'd be, you don't know, necessarily have a match because we've got these two other people we want to take a look at mm-hmm. uh, who are going to get a dark match instead of you. Okay. But that's, that's the stuff that would come like further and further down the road. Uh, so the dark matches himself, a lot of times it was, it's weird because it's less pressure. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also the desire to sh- to take the restrictions that we had. Because a lot of times, I remember Gabe telling us one day that I want to make sure, he's like, if you guys ever end up on TV, you're going to be doing, like, five-minute matches. Mm-hmm. That's what they do on TV. This is obviously years before Ring of Honor ever had TV. Yeah. Like, so I want you guys to be able to have the best five-minute matches anyone's ever had. So, all right, that's the kind of the idea of what we're being given. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll do that, and we have little mini feuds in the dark matches. Like myself and Pelly Primo had like I don't know a never ending dark match feud. <laughs> <laughs> and one day it was just like, okay, now you get to be on the main card and wrestle for the top of the class trophy. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And yeah, it was. Oh, yeah, and then at some point during this time frame, you can also tack on now I drive the trucks and I'm in charge of the ring crew. 
Oh jeez. Uh, to to my uh to my multitasking responsibilities. <laughs> after I threatened to quit uh, after wow. the first basketball city show. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So going back to to what you said about like uh, punk final chapter and and th things of that nature. Uh, probably one of the, the most uh, infamous or famous moments of your career is when uh, CM Punk signed the uh, WWE contract, sorry, on your back at yep. uh, on Sign of Dishonor. Oh, sorry. On, on the belt. Yep. On the, on on belt. the belt on your back um, at Sign of Dishonor. Yeah, that was uh, awesome. And I'm curious to this day if I can get royalties from the WWE for the 10 seconds that I am on the Best <laughs> in the World DVD. Uh, oh, yeah, good point. I never signed I never signed the, the, the paperwork that I can remember that uh, signed away my likeness rights to Ring of Honor. So, you know, I'm just saying. I think I'm owed like 10 bucks or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was super cool because, I mean, that was that was legit. That was a that was not some random piece of paper made up to look like a con. That was a legit contract <laughs> being signed in the middle of the ring, um, and it worked because I you know I was sitting there. At that point, I had I had stopped filming at the Nowhere to Run events, okay. which was the night Jimmy Grave and Punk had hit their cage match. Yeah. That was my last day as a ringside uh, videographer because mm -hmm. I just I couldn't do it anymore. Like split my time between. You know, having matches and it was a financial loss, but I, you know, was I needed yeah. to focus on something. So mm -hmm. it was cool that I got to this. So then I got to be uh, the ringside guy, like one of the guys the, the doing the ringside work, which mm -hmm. was something I didn't really get to do because I was always doing something else. Yeah, you know, a lot of times we're like. My fellow, the guys who were in my class, would get to accompany Punk to ringside, his, like his young boys, and I was either filming the show or working the merch table. Yeah. So this was like the first time I really got to uh, to do that for Ring of Honor show, mm -hmm. and uh, I was also the only heel, you know, because by, by this point, um, I had gone beyond just student. Happy to be here. Just you know, having matches. You know, I started to be a heel. Yeah. So it worked for me to come out there and do that. That have that moment with him, and that's yeah. That's that's one of the especially for the early you know few years of Ring of Honor. That's one of those big standout moments, and the mm -hmm. fact that it's um. I, I joke about the royalties thing, but it's just the fact that that's, uh, you know, forever part of the network or, you know, the DVD that it's on um, mm -hmm. for the WWE is, uh, is it's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, like I say, it was one of those moments. It was like, oh, is this real? And then with you confirming it was the actual official WWE contract on the ROH world title it's yeah. uh yeah such a cool cool moment and once again you've been reading my notes so um winning the roh top of the class trophy being the second ever champion and the longest reigning champion um do you have a favorite moment or match uh, actually your... was the third third actually yeah davy andrews was first and then derek dempsey and then me 
Um, so <laughs> it started <laughs> as Gabe, Gabe putting up Gabe putting it up on the news wires that they're in, we were going to do like this mini like a mini tournament to crown the first one. Yeah, and it was like the first match will take place here. This Davy Andrews will get a bye into the final, into the to the tied trophy match because he was the the top graduate of the first class. And then we'll have these other matches to determine who will be there. And then we get to uh, Detroit. Um, and they have the closest we'd come to my my hometown of East Lansing, Michigan, Lansing, Michigan, Holt, Michigan, that area. Yep. And he just decides like that day that we're going to have the trophy match. <laughs> Even though he'd announced in the Newswires we're going to do this little mini tournament and all this stuff. He's like, ah, we're just going to do it today. And... Uh, I was like, cool, awesome. This is the showdown in Motown. My and uh, my my then girlfriend, now wife, was was a, made the trip with me because we were not going the next day to Vendetta. We were going to stay and visit my family. Mm-hmm. So when I get to, I was like, oh, this is perfect. I got new music. I'm going to start using this week because it's a main show match. And Gabe loved the music and yelled at me, "Why didn't you use that from day one?" All right, it's <laughs> Allison, Allison Shane's hate to feel. Um, if you ever if you ever get Brett Titus to do an interview, I ask him to sing his version of the song for you. Uh, <laughs> and so we had that, and Davy Andrews won the trophy the first time there. Okay. And then, come final battle, two thousand five, mm-hmm. uh, Ricky Raz destroys the trophy. At the end of the show, okay. Davy quits wrestling. <laughs> Just, I'm done. I'm out. Okay, bye. Just leaves. Yeah. And so the early in the next year we crown a new one that Derek Dempsey wins it. And then in um so that would be the early two thousand six. And then in June of two thousand six I beat Derek at Destiny, mm-hmm. uh, at the Destiny event, uh to become the third longest okay. reigning. Brett doesn't count. They just <laughs> forgot he had it. Forgot to defunct it. Uh, I, I love the fact story. that when I was introducing you, I said second ever. You didn't correct me. I didn't, yeah, there. I didn't catch it that time. <laughs> Plus, you're doing the intro, you know. Let the intro. I'm not going to interrupt yeah, the introduction. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if the intro is complete, you know, not completely correct. Yeah. Uh, just let him do it. It's fine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, longest reigning. <laughs> I like those. I like to joke at. Maybe the shortest match in Ring of Honor history with Bobby Dempsey. Like, <laughs> um, but as far as like favorite, mm-hmm. uh, man, I, just, I, I can't remember which Boston show it was. It might be Honor Reclaims Boston. Um, yeah. At a, at a really fun match that I really enjoyed with Pelly Primo, um, where Gabe just gave us time. Yeah. You know, instead of like you got five minutes, it was like you have eight to ten. It's almost like what? What do I do? What do I? What do I do with my hand? Like I don't. What do I do with this time? Three, five extra minutes? I don't even know what to do with it. But I still remember that being a fun one. And then we had a match in Long one of the Long Island shows. Uh, may have even been Sign of Dishonor um, that I really enjoyed. Uh, and then we would try. Matches that were <laughs> so not like it's weird that you get to a point where you know you 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 know things, mm-hmm. but you don't really understand them yet. 
Yeah, because in 2000, like, especially in 2006, um, Brian Anderson took over the wrestling school. Yeah. And, and he was also my neighbor because he was where he was living uh, yeah. while he was doing the school. So I spent a lot of time with him, a lot of time in the school with him. And uh, it was intimidating. Mm-hmm. And but and there were a lot of things to learn, mm-hmm. but it was like things that were way above my pay grade at that time. Yeah, they didn't really sink in until like later, much later. Yeah, yeah. Probably not until after the point where I wasn't really like full time wrestling anymore, and I had become more manager and doing indie dates here and there as a wrestler. Yeah. So me and Pelly would try doing things that were just. <laughs> Not we weren't we weren't ready for. We had this match in St. Paul, Minnesota, which is a twenty-four hour uh, truck drive because um, the trucks can't go over like sixty miles an hour. So, and, and then we tried doing this match based around doing a courting hold, um, and we we're both so tired, so exhausted that neither of us realized just how. Like legit, we were putting on the holds until the after the match, and both of us are like our elbows are like completely useless because we had the holds <laughs> on each other so stiff, and it was just yeah, yeah. Just, there are some some infamous ones in there. The match where I just tried working the ear, like yeah, oh, we're just gonna work the ear. I think that one's on uh, on one of the Buffalo shows. That was like me and Davey Andrews had a match. And it was like let's work the ear. <laughs> and the finish was like a headlock. Like, all right. <laughs> uh, it's just, it would, I think that was like, with the dark matches. I think that was like yeah, we had that wiggle room two experiment a little bit and trying to figure shit out. Even if we weren't, you know, even if we, it was like no, you know, you're not allowed to do top rope moves or anything too super flashy because it's a dark match. But we still had a little bit of wiggle room to. To create, try and create something with those, you know, five six minutes we were given. Um, yeah, and some, you know, they were they were short, but they were fun, fun like things to be creative with. With Bobby Dempsey, you know, we did a couple three matches, um, to the top of the class trophy, and it was at the point where I was like using these taped up brass knuckle things that Jim Cornette <laughs> created for me, uh, <laughs> and just being creative with. All right, how do you hide them again? Like, oh, I now have, you know, brass knuckles in some very uncomfortable places uh, so I can hide them from the referee. And just, <laughs> it, 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 it did. It allotted for some, some creativity and some having some fun with it and really developing a character of some mm-hmm. sorts. Even, a, even, you know, I mean, Ring of Honor was, I think Chikara, was probably actually the first place I really got to develop character mm-hmm. that I wanted, mm-hmm. but those you know that bled into um, what I did for Ring of Honor as as heel um, pre uh, say the the, the pre Adam Pierce Hagedorn and the post Adam Pierce Hagedorn. Because yeah, there's a to, to me there's a, a very clear delineation in how I, I how I did the wrestling depending on which which time frame it was 